It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.06 on a Saturday morning, 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardner. I am here to help you be more successful. And all you have to do is tell me what you want to be more successful doing. If you want one more flower, one less weed, just something that you think is bothering you in your landscape, outdoors, with your lawn, with your bugs, with your animals that are eating your tomatoes, anything you have in mind, sure, I'm here to help. 404-872-0750. I want to announce something that made me very happy last week. Before I go to the call, something that made me very happy last week, and that was I was in my living room and I heard a sudden <laughs> in my chimney and a chorus of cheep, 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 cheep. The chimney swifts are back. I'd worried. I thought, no, no, I don't have any chimney swifts this year in my chimney. But yes, I do have chimney swifts. They must have been just incubating the eggs when I was worried about it earlier in June. So finally the eggs have hatched. I must have two or maybe three nests in there. They're very noisy. Whenever the parents come in with bugs and things to feed the babies, they're all very excited. And the sound is when the adults come in to feed them during the day. Chimney swifts are one of the most interesting birds around. They can't, they own their their bodies, their their legs and claws and, and toes and everything are made to cling to a vertical surface. They don't like sitting upright like a normal bird, like a robin or blue jay or something like that they can sit upright and stand upright on their legs and hop around in your lawn that's not what chimney swifts do they cling to upright surfaces and during the day you see them flying they're the most graceful wonderful bird watches swooping around the backyard they eat moths and beetles and mosquitoes and all sorts of things they find flying they eat them bring them back to the babies in my chimney and that's where they where they live i know some people have thought that was bats but of course bats don't live in chimneys they live in belfries, I guess, and haunted, haunted, haunted castles and things like that. But one of the greatest news that I heard in the past week was that the Piedmont Park folks are building a Chimney Swift tower on the site of Piedmont Park so that Chimney Swifts will be attracted to it. And we'll have the, I'm hopeful they'll have video cameras inside so you can see the Chimney Swift nests as they are built inside. They use saliva and twigs to glue the, the nest to the side of the Chimney Swift tower. And then you'll have hopefully a video camera to see the eggs being laid in there and the mother sitting on the nest. And then as the babies hatch out, of course, we'll see that too. I'm hopeful this will all happen. They think they'll have the tower completed at Piedmont Park by the fall. Of course, it'll be a little early then for them because they don't come. They, they migrate out. They migrate away from Atlanta down to South America in July. I think late July is when, they're, when I don't hear them anymore in my chimney. And then they come back every year around the end of May and incubate their eggs, as I said earlier. And then all of a sudden here in June, I'm hearing the little babies inside my chimney. So if you hear cheep, 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 cheep inside your chimney, please don't think that it's bats or anything bad for your house. If you um, are worried about chimney fires, there are very, very rarely ever any problem with chimney fires. The nests are so small that the first fire just dries them up and they just go away. There's no big deal there. But I think chimney swifts are a great animal to have, and I hope you will encourage them and hope that you will visit the tower at Piedmont Park when it finally gets built. Let's go to the phones. we got Kay in Watkinsville who joins us. Hey, Kay, good morning. 
Good morning. Do you think there'll be any instructions for how to build your own chimney swift? There are. Actually, there's a website called, you guess it, chimneyswifts.org. And they have their videos of chimney swifts in the towers that they have built in Texas, I believe. And they're just large um, towers of concrete blocks, 10 or 15 feet high. And uh, chimney swifts go in and make their nests. Yeah, sweet, okay. sweet, well, sweet, sweet. Um, several weeks ago, I finally dug up the invasive lyria. Yeah. Knowing, of course, that I could not and didn't get every single root, so now it's coming back. Okay. What now do I do? Do I just have to keep on digging it up? You know, I I used Roundup. I used glyphosate on the lyria that I had because I had these some of the invasive lyria, two kinds, of course, the lyria muscari okay. that does not invade, just clumps around in the spicata that goes everywhere. And I had this spicata going underneath all my azaleas and things like that. And I was just really, really careful to get a little bit of Roundup on the stuff under the azaleas. And it killed it pretty readily, just two or three weeks maybe, and it was dead. All right. All right. So I well, think that's I all you have to it. do. A little, little more spraying, and I think it'll be dead, dead, dead. You can plant whatever you want to there, Kay. Well, that would be great. All right. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling all once right. again. We'll see you soon. We've got online Mary Alice and Conyers. Mary Alice, good morning. Good morning, sir. Hi. I I have some pepper plants that I started from seed, cool. and I transplanted them into a, um, pots outside, yeah. large containers, and they look very puny, <laughs> and I gave some to my friend at the same time, and she said hers look amazing, so oh. it's not the seeds. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so um, they seem... Kind of, they don't. They're not a vibrant green. They're kind right. of pallid looking. Mm. And um, some of the leaves, I looked up. I tried to look it up on the internet because I. But all I could find was leaf curl, and yeah. this looks more like leaf wavy. Well, what? Well, how have you fertilized? I, well, first one to Mary Alice is there. Maybe they're just not getting enough nutrients. So how have you fertilized them? Okay, I I started them off in jungle growth. Um, dirt. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's any good, but they told me it was, so okay. I didn't believe them. And um, I put uh, the vegetable builder seventeen twenty three six in the dirt. Good. It says to feed it once every, I don't know, like a season it seems. And I don't think it's doing it. <laughs> yeah, this is in a pot outdoors on a deck or something, Mary Alice. Right. Well, it's um, it's on the lawn, but yeah, they're in pots. Our our, our dirt here is basically um, like sandy clay, yeah. hard rock, <laughs> ground up. Here's rock, what I bet is going on. I I will bet you that simply with all the rain that we've had, all those nutrients. You know, fertilizer is very soluble. Once it gets in the soil, it's very soluble. And the rain that we've had, I'll bet, has washed most of the nutrients out of the soil in your pots. And they don't have any food to eat. And so the leaves are yellowish, greenish, pallid, puny, as you said. And I think yeah. the first thing I would attempt to do is get some quick-acting fertilizer, like miracle Grow, for instance, and mix it up and apply that and see if that doesn't help things along. miracle Grow seems like the best thing you could try at this point. Okay, thank you. Um, now, I have some, some that you hook on to a... A sprayer, but yeah. how on earth do you tell how much to put on? Great question. Don't do that. <laughs> you may put too much down and kill your plants. Go get a little box of miracle Grow and mix it up in a gallon jug and put it on there. Of course, I say okay. jug. Don't don't use a milk jug because then the kids think it's Kool-Aid. So be careful with whatever fertilizer you use and maybe empty the jug to fertilize the azaleas on the side of the yard or something like that. 
But fertilizers is what I think you ought to try first. All right. I have managed, it has set a few peppers. In fact, one of them sadly That's is good. not a bell pepper. <laughs> it's yellow and pointed and uh-huh. it doesn't look like a bell pepper. But anyway, thank you so much. All right. Try it. Let me know. Let me know what happens, Mary Alice. If it perks up, you start having lots of peppers. I want to know. All right. Thanks. All right. Good. I'll talk to you soon, Mary Alice. Thanks for calling. We've got, uh, let's see here, Frank in Peachtree Corners. Frank, join us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Hey, Walter. How hey, are Frank. You? I'm doing fine. What's up? Uh, I've got a key lime uh, tree. It's a thornless key lime tree. Uh-huh. Had it for about three years, and it will not give me any tiny key limes. Hmm. Is it outside? Where do you keep it? Uh, yeah, it's in a pot. So I bring it in in the winter. Right. So you have it in pretty full sun outdoors during the summertime? Yeah, it's not. It's, uh, I'd say, 60, 70% sun. That should be fine. That should be fine there. So then if it doesn't have any lines on it, obviously it doesn't have any flowers on it either. Well, the flowers come out, and when I first got it, it would put out little flowers, and I'd get all excited. It looked like there was a little. Sure, sure. And then it would fall off. Citrus flowers are perfect. In other words, they have male and female parts in the same flower. But I find a lot more success with my Meyer lemon, and mine's not key lime, but mine's a Meyer lemon, with doing a little self-pollination myself. And you can do that really easily. It's easy to do. Get a little cotton Q-tip swab. And when the flower opens, it should hopefully be two on the plant, and just stick the swab into one of them and sort of very gently wiggle it around a little bit. That'll get a little bit of yellow powder, the pollen, on the end of the swab. And you take that over to the next flower and doodle it around in there a little bit and then move that swab back to the first flower and doodle it around in that a little bit. And by transferring pollen from flower to flower, then you get pretty, in my view, pretty good pollination and something's going to happen. You ought to get a lime out of that. All right. Well, I'm going to get me some Q-tips right now. <laughs> Just go look for the flowers first. got to have flowers to do pollination, but... Assuming that you get flowers, you should get pollen. Assuming you get flowers and they get pollinated, then you should get fruit after that. Okay. Um, what about fertilizing it? Is it? Does it? If you haven't in the last six weeks fertilized again, they're not slow feeders or low feeders. I think the citrus are more close to the medium to heavy feeders than anything else. I've certainly fertilized mine. Okay. Awesome. All right. Hey, I really appreciate it. All right. Sure, Frank. Let me know what happens. We'll see you soon. Thanks. 404-872-0750 is the number to dial. If you want to dial in and get your question answered, and don't forget, this is Saturday, which means tomorrow is Sunday, which means I get to enjoy the Atlanta Journal-Constitution when it comes to my front door. I subscribe seven days a week, and I enjoy every day, but Sunday, the big day, because they got all the coupons, they got all the uh, news and summaries of the week. And this coming edition tomorrow is going to be a full coverage of what to do about your phone in your car with a new hands-free law that just went into effect, or will go into effect on July 1st. And so they'll cover all of the rules and regulations, how people will be uh, spotted if they're using the phones, how lenient they'll be at the first, and then how strict they'll be at the end. So if you want to know all about the hands-free law now and what you should do with your phones during the time you're driving, get the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Sunday edition. Credible, complete, and what's the other C? Credible, complete, and thorough. It's 717 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this.
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, showers and storms more likely as the day goes on, maybe in the early evening. High of 88, 72 degrees low overnight. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds. High of 91 and a low of 73. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSV. And Ashley Frasca and I are bringing a little happiness into someone's life right now by giving away the weekend prize pack which is a family four-pack of all attraction passes to Stone Mountain Park to enjoy Dinosaur Explorer, Sky Hike, the Summer Sky Ride, and more exciting attractions. Plus, stay for the Laser Show, which runs every night in the summer, 9.30 p.m. Go to stonemountainpark.com to learn more about the, the, what there is, things to do and see at your visit. Actually, who wins this family four-pack of tickets to Stone Mountain Park? Caller number six. I see our fingers are held up right now. Call number 6, 404 404-741-0750. Dial carefully and win prizes to go see the, the Stone Mountain. Let's go to the phones again. We've got Gene uh, in Stone Mountain who joins us. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Hello. Hey, Gene. What's up? I need to ask you a question. I've got a bunch of those Stella Dioro daylilies. Yeah. And I'll have a bloom on them. But then I get these, like, knobby things on the ends. They're mm. like a seed pod. So sure. I don't know if I'm supposed to cut them all back down to the ground. I'm not sure what to do with them. I think that what you're supposed to do, and I think because I've read in the Daily Journals that what you do if you want another flush of flowers on Stella de Oro is you cut all the seed pods off, give them some fertilizer, and that should promote new leaves, new growth, new flowers around the middle of July. Oh, okay. So do I cut even, like, the leaves, like, just shear them off or just cut Nah, just the pods, just the pods themselves. You can pop those off with your finger if you want to. Oh, it looks okay, a little right. neater if you take your scissors and go down the stem where the pod is. That flower stem is no longer any use particularly to the plant, and so just cut the whole pod stem off. Now, okay. if you wanted to, if you wanted to have some fun, Gene, you could leave one or two of those pods on the plant and let it dry out and collect the seeds in the fall and plant them next spring and make new daylilies if it's something you want to do. Oh, I never thought oh, about that. Oh, now that would be fun. The daylily breeders have a heck of a good time <laughs> crossbreeding daylilies to make them have all sorts of colors and flower shapes and ruffled on the edges and, you know, rings in the middle of white and red and orange and peach and all that. And so you might have one that you call Stella the Jean or something that you think is really something you like that you have bred yourself. It's not hard. They do the pollination for you. They've already done that. You've got the seed pod right there. And you just wait until it'll be October sometime when the seed pod turns brown. It'll crack open a little bit. You see lots of little daily, little black daily seeds inside. And save them during the wintertime. And next spring when it gets warm in late April, plant them outside and see what you get. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. It ought to be a lot of fun, Gene. If you do hit something fun and pretty, name it for me and for you. The Walter Gene Daylily, I'm sure, would be just a real... Real money maker. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. More lawn and garden after news. 404 872 
888-900-0750. We'll talk to you then. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning, still 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or whatever you want to say about your garden. Robert wants to talk a little bit about the chimney swifts again. Welcome to Lawn and Garden, Robert. What do you want to say? Good morning, good hey. friend. Uh, I am blessed to have chimney swifts every year come yeah. back to, to my chimney. Uh, they are by far the stealth fighter of, of the bird <laughs> world. Uh, I mean, they make a Porsche look like a summertime. Yeah. Uh, about twice a year, I get the opportunity to hold them in my hand because I have to rescue them that fall behind my fireplace insert. Yep. So I pull it out, and I actually am able to hold them in my hand. Every feather, their wings, their tail are just strictly high performance made for I mean, speed they're ready to I go mean, <laughs> and well not necessarily speed but they boy the maneuverability yeah. is unbelievable that they're they're fantastic and uh have you ever seen them go down into the chimney i was just going to say that when i was in college the university of georgia the power plant the coal-fired power plant was next to the dorm and they had an unused chimney there that had hundreds of chimney swifts that lived in it must be and you see them at night circling 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 and all of a sudden exactly. one would say let's go everybody and they'd all die all at one time exactly. into the chimney uh, it's kind of like a tw- i have a pod of about 25 birds yeah and uh they'll uh what they'll do kind of like a tornado they'll exactly start at top at the top circling and they start spiraling down and to see that many birds try to get into a 24 thing <laughs> uh, is yeah. amazing. It is indeed. How, I mean, when they get down to the bottom, that many birds, and and they never bump into one another, they just go right down that yeah. chimney. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. It is a great, it is a fabulous bird. I'm so proud of the people, park people for having the Chimney Swift Tower there. That's going to be a great addition to the park, just to see if people might come out to look at the birds go into the chimney at night, just like you and me do. They're, 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 they are beautiful. They, they, for, for, and talk next week, talk about sumac. I think you left it out of the poisonous plant. <laughs> All right. I'll do that. I'll put it on my list, Robert. Thanks for calling, friend. We'll see you All soon. Right, Bye. Bye-bye. We got uh, Joyce in Decatur who joins us. Hey, Joyce, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I have got two questions for you. Number one, one. I've got squash. Yeah. And I've got worms in my squash, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's squash boars or how do you have worms in them? In the you're talking about in the squash fruit. In the fruit, in the squash yes. itself. Little that is not is the them. the vine borer for squash gets into the vine, as you might imagine. Um, right at the base of the squash plant, you'll see mm-hmm. yellow sort of oozy stuff coming, out, little pellets coming out of the base of the plant. And that's where the squash vine borer larva has bored into the stem and is going up and down eating stuff and casting it through the, through the hole. And that's different completely from the fruit worm which you have in your squash. So okay, two different well, critters there. I, this is new for me. Yeah. But okay, so not, what do you do about it? This is something that you have to just be careful about doing, Joyce, because you're putting an insecticide very close to where you're having pollination being done by insects, which obviously we don't want to hurt the insects there. Right. So the right. fruit worm 
you have to do the treatment for it right after the flower has fallen off, right after the fruit has started forming and there's no flower nearby. Then you very carefully either spray or brush on some insecticide onto the outside skin of the fruit. And there are garden insecticides labeled for use on vegetables. I know ortho has one. Um, seven is one that's used sometimes by people. But you just put it onto the fruit itself to protect the skin of the fruit. The fruit takes five or ten more days to develop fully to harvest, so there's a waiting interval before you can eat the fruit, obviously. But that's how you do it. The fruit worm gets right close to the, the flower itself. And so, you, again, you don't want to poison the flower and poison the right. bees, but you want to get the fruit worm off the squash. Oh, okay. Now, Second my question. other question. Yes. Tomatoes. I've got big, big, tall tomato plants, mm -hmm. as tall as I am, about four feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And but I have very very few tomatoes. I have blooms, and but I don't have. I mean, at first, and then I didn't have tomatoes. So what did I do wrong? Now None. one of the things I did do when I planted it was, I put uh, newspaper and little mini pine barks. Yeah, sure. And somebody fine. told me the pine barks put acid no. in the soil, and maybe nope. that's what I did wrong. No, nope, so what did not I do? True. It's what perhaps you did not do that okay. needs to be done. Whenever temperatures during the day get above 90 degrees, actually when they get above 88 degrees, that's when pollen in tomato flowers gets real sticky. If it's humid as it's been, as you know, for the last month, it rains, mm -hmm. you know, humid in the afternoon, 90 degrees for the last couple of weeks. The pollen in the tomato flower gets very sticky and doesn't go where it needs to be to pollinate that flower to make your tomatoes. Oh. You help the pollination along simply by going out with a piece of, pencil or a chopstick or something and just tap the little cross where the flowers are, the two or three flowers all in a little bundle there together. Just mm -hmm. go out there and tap it. Bump, 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 bump during the day. Go out there twice during the day. You know, shake oh. the pollen loose. It won't depend on the wind like it normally does, but on you, Joyce, to go out and oh, bump, bump, bump okay. the pollen around. Well, that's a new one. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I'm like, what happened to all my fruit? I got these big, big Beautiful bushes and yeah. no fruit. Yeah, but as long as you have flowers and get good pollination, you will have tomatoes on there. We just need to get okay. the pollination fixed. Okay. Thank you so very much, it's Walter. Enjoy your show. Pleasure being a service to you, Joyce. We'll see you soon. Regina comes to us from South Fulton County. Hey, yeah, Regina. Good morning. Good morning. Walter, how you doing? Hi, doing great. How can I help? Well, I have some patients and pintas and salvia, uh, red salvia in my mailbox, sure. with, along with ornamental grass and something eating the roots so ah. I go out every day they land on top of the soil oh i would bet it would be a vole v-o-l-e vole because they surely love the roots of annuals and woody plants too sometimes roses and camellias and things like that but the when you said laying on top of the soil regina i thought oh that's got to be a vole that's what voles do they eat the bottom of the plant and the plant lays over on top of the soil mm. so how do we get rid of voles we go get some mouse traps and sort of hide them underneath a little cardboard box or a gallon pot or something so the birds can't get into it, but put a mousetrap baited with peanut butter, put two or three around where you see the damage to your plants done, mm -hmm. and check it every day and see if you don't catch two or three little short-tailed mice. That's what a vole is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about losing the plants. I know they made you ill with yourself because you spent good money for the plants, yeah. but the voles, they like to eat the roots of plants, and that's the damage they do. So there's nothing I can just put hook up to the hose and 
it would be nice if you could. I think we're going to have to deal with the traps. So that's brother. There's no no repellent for them at all. It's just yeah. just strictly trap them and remove. That's what you do. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I started. Voles. V o l e. Vole. That's what you have, Regina. Oh, wow. i got to hurry up because it costs too much money. Exactly. Get it done now. Get, it, get the bowls out of there now. I'm sick. <laughs> Thanks for calling. We'll see you soon. It's 743. What, who's in line here? Let's go to um, Carol in Marietta. Hey, Carol. Good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey. Um, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I had to have some azaleas transplanted because they were right next to a tree that was being cut down. Okay. So... There were five of them, and all but one looked really good. And the one, the leaves are shriveling and yellowing mm. and all that. I put, you know, mixed up some compost into the soil, and mm. I put some milorganite. I didn't know if that was the right thing to do, and is sounds, there something yes. I can do to save the one that looks like it's dying? Sounds good to me so far, but it sounds to me like maybe not quite enough roots came over with that plant, so the leaves shriveling sounds like they're just not getting enough water. Is that what yeah, you think? That's what I that's what I kind of thought too. Because I mean, the the tree it was, the the azaleas were planted way before the tree got really big, yeah. and the and the and the roots were almost like sideways sure. against the tree. It had gotten so big. Got it. I just think so, the one that's shriveling up is just not getting enough water. So other than making sure it's nice and watered and irrigated, not soggy all the time, but just sort of moist soil all the time around those roots. I don't think there's anything much you can do. Even pruning off those shriveled leaves is not going to help a whole lot, but you could do it if you felt like it. Just take the shriveled leaves off, okay. but it may be too much, too too dry, too soon. We don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. find out, I guess. So if I try to just get out there and water that one on days when, I mean, we've been getting rain almost every day. Sure so on, on every, do I need to make sure it gets watered every day? Would that be too much water? Just make it your goal to put your finger in the ground if you have to, Carol. Just look yeah. and you know put your finger in, make sure it's moist. If it's soggy, then you don't need to water that day, obviously. But if it's dry, if the root system is dried out, then put a little more water on it, a gallon or two of water on it. Okay. All righty, I'll do it. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling. Bye. We got. Let's see if now who's in here. We got Cheryl in Sharpsburg, Georgia. Good morning, Cheryl. Hey. Hey. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, well, I my daughter bought me a Meyer lemon tree. Oh, sweetheart. And I have no clue what to do with it. I don't know whether I plant it outside or plant it in a bigger pot. I have no blooms on it. Okay. I have a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of green leaves and there's new growth. Good. But no blooms. How big of a pot is it in right now? Um, maybe I don't know. It's what it it came from, you no, know, when she bought it. Is the top as big as a dinner plate? Big as a saucer? Big as a bathtub? Probably. How big is it? Yeah, a saucer. I mean, it's it's a ah. pretty good size. Okay, it needs to be in a bigger pot than that. It needs to be okay. in a pot at least as wide as a good sized dinner plate. And that would okay. be 12 to 14 inches would be about what you'd be measuring if you're measuring from side to side on the top of the pot. And okay. use just a really, really good quality potting soil. Don't get the cheap $2 bag potting soil. Get the stuff that's easily 6 to $10 per bag. Good stuff. Okay. And repot it. Move it from the pot where it is now into the new pot. And okay. you cannot plant it outdoors. It will freeze outdoors, Cheryl. You do not okay. use them in the outdoors, but you have to move it inside during the wintertime, which a lot of people do. I'm included in that, lumber, in that number. And so okay. every summer I bring it outside, put it on the patio, full sun outside there. And the 
in October sometime when it starts getting cool at night, move it inside to a nice bright sunroom and keep it indoors. And it depends on sort of the cycle of the plant of whether it blooms inside during the winter in January or whether it blooms outside in April when I put it out. I'm not sure what triggers it, but eventually you get flowers, eventually you get fruit, and then you eat the Meyer lemon and think, oh, honey, my little daughter gave me this. This is so nice to have. That's how it works. <laughs> Okay, perfect. So my, I need to start with putting it in a bigger pot yep. with good soil. New pot, good soil, and don't forget about it when October comes around. Okay, thank All you right. so much. Good talking mm-hmm. to you, Cheryl. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number at Lawn and Garden. It's seven forty seven. We'll be back after this. Someday you'll change your mind. And <laughs> Listen to Ashley Francis sing along to the song here. Thank you, Ashley. Nice duet there. Thank you very much. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, showers and thunderstorms perhaps a little bit later on in the evening, not this afternoon, certainly. 60% chance during the day. High of 88, low of 72. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds. High of 91, low of 73. The full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jim and Dunwoody wants a little bit of variation, I guess, in his ground covers. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, I need some ground cover suggestions for a very steep front yard. Oh, what's there now? Um, there's Well, there was ivy. Uh, we purchased the house about 10 years ago, and oh. for safety reasons, I had some very large trees, 20 feet and above, cut out of the front yard. Okay. And once I did that, it exposed the ivy to uh, direct sunlight, and it is now mostly weeds, if that huh. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I see. And uh, mm. I was looking for some recommendations on, you know, what for someone that does not have a particular green thumb uh, could be used in a direct sunlight area. The house is kind of east-west. Right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, east, it, the, the, the property is east-west facing. I'll and you, uh, it gets mostly sun during the day. I'll tell you a plant that Mickey Gasaway from Pike and I both like and don't recommend enough is Asiatic jasmine. It's a vine. It grows on the ground, or it's called winter creeper sometimes. But the jasmine vine has a fabulous smell to it. Man, does it smell good in the spring. In um, late April, I guess, is when I smell it the most. But Asiatic jasmine is one possibility. Okay. Vinca vine is another possibility, and you may want to mix the two in there because vinca, I don't think, covers the ground. you got a steep slope there, and I wonder if the vinca would be able to hold back erosion if it didn't cover the ground really, really thickly. So there's a possibility you want to mix the two of jasmine and the uh, vinca vine. The um, winter creeper euonymus is a possibility, too. Winter creeper euonymus didn't have a flower, but, boy, it covers things, and it can even be a nuisance if it climbs things. But you don't have any trees there, so you don't worry about it climbing things, do you? Um, so I would say consider Asiatic Jasmine, consider okay. um, uh, Vinca Vine, V-I-N-C-A, Vinca Vine, and then the Euonymus Winter Creeper. The three of those, between the three of them, you ought to get something to cover the ground pretty readily. Was it Winter Creeper? Winter Creeper Euonymus, okay. yeah. Okay. I always want a creeper on my front yard. <laughs> That's what you need. Well, thanks for calling, Jim. I got to go. Was getting Thank you very much. The hour. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We've got one more hour ahead. We'll see you right after news.